Ours is no caravan of despair. Come, yet again come. And we come from rich heritages of liturgy and pomp. We come from burning legacies of angry gods and threats of hellfire. We come just as we are. We come with exuberant and joyful hearts, eager to witness to others. We come bereft of the goodness of life, wondering, hesitant. We come just as we are. We come in the bloom of youth, ready to explore new truths. We come ready to sit apart from our children and be nourished for an hour. We come with gray in our hair and experiences to share. We come just as we are. We come to the place we never knew before was home. We come to the place that has been home for most of our lives. We come just as we are to join our brothers and sisters as members of one family in this beloved home, our hands and hearts outstretched. Come, yet again, come. Good morning. My name is Megan Shaponik, and I'm the worship associate this morning, and I welcome all of you to the spiritual home of the Unitarian Universalists of Clearwater. As Jerry Morris and Victor Austin kindle the chalice, Marty and I have just realized that we got ahead of ourselves. You should just start playing. Just play. Just play. Jerry and Victor, they will play first, and, and then we'll start over.
That was gorgeous. I think the fact that I tried to read over that is the closest thing to a sin that uh, you could possibly commit. Yes. I'm sorry. Um, I just wanted to let you know that the pieces are all by Debussy. So um, they kind of have a similar sound to them, which is really beautiful, and that's why I kind of picked an all WC program. Just want to let you know that. And now, if Jerry Morris and Victor Austin could come forward to kindle the chalice, I invite all of you to stand as you're able, in body and spirit, to read the chalice lighting words printed in the order of service. Good morning. At times, our own light goes out and is rekindled by a spark from another person. Each of us has cause to think with deep gratitude of those who have lighted the flame within us. Please remain standing to sing our opening hymn number 18 in the gray hymnal, What Wondrous Love, and Linda's going to play it through, through, the, through it once before we sing. together 
in sharing our vision and mission, which you will find in your order of service. Our vision, an inclusive religious community, a beacon for reason, meaning, and bold social action. Our mission, to celebrate dignity and respect for all, nurture lifelong spiritual growth, act for justice and equality, and serve the wider community. This morning's reading is from a book titled The Church of 80% Sincerity. Some of you may have read it. It was written by David Roche, a humorist, motivational speaker, and a performer in his own one-man show. He also suffers from a severe facial deformity. The severe venous malformations cause his tongue to be a bluish-purplish color and more than twice its normal size. The engorged veins and capillaries weave through the left side of his face, leaving little, leaving little resemblance to the cheek and chin that should have been there. Years of radiation treatment caused his jaw to stop growing and left him with only a few teeth. David describes his face as unique, but his experiences as wholly human. His book and performances chronicle his journey from shame to self-acceptance and celebration. This particular reading finds him nervously preparing to speak in front of an all-black church. The reverend reached out two hands to take mine and welcome me into the pulpit. I suddenly became very aware that I was exposing my left side, my bad, my disfigured side, to everyone in the church. At that moment, I remembered a black girl, about 13 or so, standing with her friends outside James Lick Elementary School many, many years before. I walked by the group and I heard her say loudly from about five feet away, Ooh, he gropes. Ooh, he gropes. He gropes. Oh, he gropes. Over the years, I turned that into a chant, a mantra of embarrassment that had a life of its own. That mantra appeared in the middle of the night as a refrain that echoed and reinforced, reinforced my diminished sense of self. On the way to the pulpit, I heard it in my head and began to feel sick to my stomach. Ooh, he gropes. It drew me like a siren song. At the pulpit, I looked out at the church crowd of close to 200. I was waiting for an awkward silence, but instead I kept hearing, Yes, Lord, praise him. Praise Jesus. Praise him. The waving hands were all preparing the air, preparing each other, casting a glorious spell and encouraging me. And all my feelings of ugliness, of being a freak, of being gross, they all washed away, and I was being baptized. Baptized in a sea of love and support. I didn't choose to take it in. Instead, it picked me up and it shook me. It bypassed my brain and went right to my heart. I spoke and I gave the energy back. I had no recollections of what I was supposed to say, none at all. They brought it out of me. Whenever I paused, I was renewed by, Amen, that's right, you tell it, brother. They called forth, forth grace and banished my embarrassment. I stood there in that loving energy and knew I was in the presence of God, right where I was supposed to be. I knew that I could never, 
ever turn back again. And there was God, not God up in the sky. No bearded old bipolar man with a smile on his face and a club behind his back. Only community, the feeling of mutual support and being in it together and the first great glimpse of what my life could be. It was God from below, a lower power, a power lifting me up, not pushing me down, supporting, not suppressing, encouraging, not intimidating, cradling me, wanting to be my best, not counting my sins born of fear and dread. And now, nurtured by the unbounded love that fills these eight walls, let us go together into a place of quiet understanding. Knowing that we each hold deep inside at least a splinter of shame, but knowing too that we possess a gentle and powerful grace, a living prayer strong enough to evaporate the pain of fear and self-doubt. Let us call forth the courage to tell our own stories, for it is in the telling and the retelling that shame gives way to grace and fear surrenders to truth. And if we are lucky enough to witness to another story, may we hold their words with precious tenderness. We pray now that compassion may wrap around our imperfect lives, healing our wounds and rebuilding our brokenness. May we have the knowing in our minds and the understanding in our hearts to be that mighty lower power. May we lift those in need so that they might see the holy in themselves. Amen. So much. I, I made a mental note. Next time I'm going to be the main speaker to ask for WC in the service. It's really hard to listen that, to that and remain tense at the same time. I have a confession to make. There were many years when I would not open a newspaper on Gay Pride Weekend. I might listen to a story on the radio, but I did not want to see photos of the event in the media because invariably in a crowd of 10,000 people if there was one drag queen and there's always a drag queen that is who would be pictured so why didn't I want to see it well some of it was just anger at the media for playing to stereotypes but mostly I was embarrassed I thought people who chose to display themselves in such a transgressive manner made it more unlikely that society would accept the community they represented as normal. And being accepted as normal was what I really wanted. Yet, I could not for many years see myself as normal. 
and because I didn't feel that the parts of me fit together. Reaching a state of reconciliation with myself has been a long queer journey. Now, queer is an interesting word. I have vivid memories from 10th grade. There was a boy, I've forgotten his name, but he used to torment me in the hallways of Plant City High School by calling me queer. It wasn't the only name I was ever called, but that one word, and I don't think I had even heard of the word gay in 1974, terrified me because it represented my deepest, darkest secret. 30 years later, in June of 2004, I was the speaker on Sunday morning at the Unitarian Universalist Church of Tampa. My topic was queer spirituality, and I used the word queer for the first time publicly in front of straight people. The first few times I said it that day, I had to force it out of my mouth. By the end of the service, I had used it enough times in a positive context that its connotation for me had changed for good. It's still transgressive in my mind, but I have a greater appreciation and affection for transgression since I became a Unitarian Universalist. October of this year will mark a decade since I first walked into a UU church. I expected to find a space of liberality and tolerance. I hoped to find a place where I could engage in a spiritual practice of community that I had missed for 10 years. I wasn't expecting anything beyond that, certainly not the reconciliation and healing that has transpired. When I try to identify exactly what makes this community such a wondrous place, I always come back to our first principle. We covenant to affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every person. I did not grow up thinking that my worth and dignity were inherent, but I have always wanted to be a good boy. For me, that included church. We were at First Baptist Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening. I was in Royal Ambassadors, attending summer camp at Lake Yale, singing in the junior choir. I was baptized at the age of eight, which is pretty young, but I convinced him I knew what I was doing. My father was kind of liberal for the place and the time, and my parents eventually moved to a more tolerant church across the street at First United Methodist when I was 14. It was quite a scandal at the time. I was even more active there, but as time went on, it became increasingly difficult for me to deny that I was gay, and there were very few voices at that time suggesting that someone could be both gay and saved. In the year that I attended the University of Florida in Gainesville, I got involved in Crossroads Church of Christ because my life was falling apart, and the only two guys on my dorm floor that seemed to care about me were a part of that church. The Church of Christ, in case you don't know, is extremely fundamentalist. They don't even allow musical instruments in their services because that's not mentioned in the New Testament. I was baptized again, thinking that would take care of me being gay. The University of Florida politely invited me not to enroll for another year due to my GPA, so I returned to Plant City and attended a Church of Christ in, Tamp in Tampa until I met my first boyfriend. I was certain that I was condemning myself to hell when I chose to leave that church and follow the only direction my desires have ever led me in. The boyfriend didn't last very long. 
and I stayed in Plant City where the new minister of First United Methodist kept inviting me to come back to the Methodist Church until I finally did. It was there during the next three years that I realized that I wanted to become a minister. The United Methodist Church had moved a long way toward accepting gay people during the 70s, but I didn't feel my call until around 1980, and by that time the denomination was wavering. I was not publicly out, and I concluded I could only be a United Methodist minister if I was willing to live my entire life in the closet. So when I eventually started attending the University of South Florida and moved to Tampa, I found it simpler not to seek out a new church home. During the next three years, the only church I attended was one service at Tampa Metropolitan Community Church. In case you have not heard of MCC, it's often called the Gay Church, and it draws people from across the spectrum of Protestants. That service was pretty cool. It was the first time I had ever openly worshipped as a gay man, but it was a long way from where I lived, and I was a poor college student, and I only made the one visit. Then I had a crisis in my life. I needed spiritual comfort, and MCC was the first place I headed. Are you starting to see the pattern here? I can't stay away from church. I stayed at MCC for four years, eventually becoming a deacon, helping to lead worship and visit sick members, the closest I had come to being a minister. I learned how scripture had been misused to condemn what felt natural to me, and I felt like my faith and my sexuality were becoming reconciled. Then, I took an introductory religion course at USF. I learned how religions borrow from one another and how a basic Christian concept like Satan had changed over the course of time. And I began to look at everything I believed through a questioning lens. When I took a leave of absence, when a new minister came, I wasn't sure where my spiritual practice would take me. For 10 years, I dabbled spiritually, mostly in Buddhism, all by myself. And as I have shared with this congregation before, as part of my journey of healing from depression, I sought a church home, walked into the Unitarian Universalist Church of Tampa, and found my tribe. When I was a kid, I thought my tribe was the Christian community. As a young adult, I thought it was the queer community. By the time I came to the Tampa church, I wasn't sure there was a community for me. I can't really remember the first conversation that I had with someone in the Tampa church in which I revealed my orientation, but I probably brought it up pretty quickly. By that point in my life, I had divided the world into people who thought of me as normal and people who did not, and I didn't have time for the latter. I was very surprised by what happened in that first conversation. Nothing. It didn't seem to be any different than telling my name or where I was born, where I grew up, where I worked. And then the same thing happened with another person and another and another. This was new for me. Being gay had always mattered, sometimes positive, mostly negative, but it had always mattered. I don't know if someone who's never been part of a ghetto, who has never been marginalized by society, can fully appreciate the immense sense of relief, of lightness of being, of being able to open your mouth and say what you think with no fear that some people experience when they enter a community for the first time that loves them without precondition. I was thrilled that for the first time in my life, it simply did not matter that I was gay. 
So, now I was in a place where I was free to putter around spiritually and be accepted as I am. I didn't expect anything beyond that. Then slowly, with no conscious awareness on my part, what I now refer to as my UU miracle began to take place. Over the years, I had been so angry at some Christians over their anti-gay rhetoric that I had become pretty intolerant of the Christian community as a whole. I grew up in a place where it was the norm to be a Christian, and even though I no longer lived there, I still felt like I was surrounded by people who just assumed that I should be a Christian. In UU at first, I just felt a great sense of relief that I was finally part of a community where there were no expectations that I believe any specific thing. Then after a couple of years in UU, I found myself beginning to remember things from my Christian youth that I had not thought of in a long time. I remembered laughter and fellowship and acts of kindness. I realized that many of my values, my belief in the power and primacy of love, my desire to serve others, my duty to give back, my idea that existence, life itself, is miraculous, all came from what I was taught as a child. I began to recall that there were many people who focused on loving rather than judging. And I began to heal. Wounds closed, and eventually the scars began to diminish. I don't know how many of you here were here last week, but if you were, you may feel that Abi's message left some questions hanging in the air regarding whether all of us are truly welcoming to lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgendered people. Well, I can't say whether all of us are. I, I don't know every one of you that well, and I certainly don't know every Unitarian Universalist. But afterwards, I shared with Abi that my answer to his question is yes. You're doing a good job. My life has changed because I walk into this place and I am treated with love, respect, dignity as a gay man, and I thank you. But what about the Christian part of me? When I read the first principle, I don't see a but or an except. I see the inherent worth and dignity of every person. And I know plenty of Unitarian Universalists who practice this principle. I have a friend, Bill. He's probably the nicest atheist you would ever want to meet. I have never heard him say an unkind word about another person having to do with their religious beliefs. In fact, I think civility is actually his spiritual practice. But I have heard Unitarian Universalists say very negative things about Christianity and Christians. I'm not talking about being critical of specific actions of specific people. There are plenty of Christian ministers, politicians, Michelle Bachman, and individuals who do and say hateful things every day, and I have no problem calling them out for the damage they do. But that doesn't make everything about Christianity bad, and it doesn't make all Christians bad. I've had people tell me I should not use some words associated with Christianity and worship because people have been injured and hurt by past experiences in Christian churches, and these words may irritate their wounds. I cannot fully know another person's pain, but I can share what I've learned in my healing journey. The first thing is that words only have as much power and only have the meaning that you give them. 
The word queer made me flinch as much as a physical weapon would have when it was brandished at me as a teenager. Now I use it to describe a people, a community, a border-crossing view of the world that I value a lot. And words like prayer, salvation, and worship have strong, positive associations for me that are not diminished just because some not-so-good people use the same words. And I wonder, do I have the right to use the spiritual language that speaks to me without criticism? I've also learned that I cannot heal from emotional or spiritual damage unless I allow it to happen. I have been guilty plenty of times of carrying anger and grudges against people who have harmed me. There is good reason to remember how you've been harmed because you don't want it to happen again. But as I look back over my life, I can't see that anything positive has ever come from continuing to hold on to anger and pain. Every time I've refused to let go of it, it has continued to corrode my happiness. And I wonder, do we have a responsibility as a community to offer, in addition to kind words and support, active opportunities, maybe sometimes even challenges for healing? I know from my study of Unitarian Universalist history that Unitarians especially sometimes have a pattern of being progressive and transgressive and then pouring a coat of cement over their beliefs of the moment and labeling the next wave of progressives, progressives as heretics. It happened a lot in the 19th century. And in this century, I have been witness to a profanity-laced, heated argument between two otherwise mature, loving adults over whether Christian concepts and language can have any place in a Unitarian Universalist worship service. And I wonder, can we ever be sure we have the right answers? Or should we be open to continual re-examination of our views as long as we have consciousness? I can only answer these questions for myself. My answer to how I should relate to people whose beliefs are different than mine is that affirming and promoting means celebrating, displaying approval, raising my hands in the air in applause or a thumbs up or just an exuberant yes. My answer is that inherent means the elements, the value was there before I ever showed up on the scene. It's not something that requires or needs my approval. My answer is that worth and dignity are elements of existence that every human being has and hopefully experiences. My answer is that I have an obligation to make affirmation and promo promotion visible. Intellectually, I can say that I understand that I have worth and dignity, but sometimes I need to see things in action to fully appreciate them. We often look to our fathers for affirmation and guidance. My dad died when I was 34. He suffered from Alzheimer's, so I lost any meaningful contact with him before I turned 30. Many, many times in the years since then, I have thought it would be so much easier for me to figure things out if I could just talk to my dad. I talk to my mom, and she helps me out. But sometimes a guy needs to talk to a guy. This was complica complicated for me by the fact that due to my distrust of many straight men, like the kid in high school who called me queer, I developed relatively few friendships with men. Since becoming a Unitarian Universalist, that has changed. 
There are many men in the Tampa Church, in this congregation, who have shown me the caring, interest, guidance, and encouragement that everyone needs that I would have received from my dad if he were here and that I sorely missed for many years. When I say that I see my inherent worth and dignity in the lives of others, this is the sort of thing I'm talking about. When the members of this community show kindness and affection to me, when they listen to what I have to say, express their appreciation for my contributions, when they offer me advice, these make me feel like I matter. They help me see that I have worth. I know affirmation. I feel promoted. And I am very hopeful that every person who walks in our doors will feel the same. I am very thankful that my spirituality and my sexuality finally seem to fit together. I am reconciled within myself. I am whole. There is nothing missing and nothing clashing, and I am healed. I am able to remember and appreciate all the love that has blessed me in my life. It's been a queer journey and not what I expected, but it is what can happen when we truly value people. And on Friday, I checked the local news websites on uh, TBO and TampaBay.com. First, I saw a picture of skater Johnny Weir in a big, floppy women's hat. And then later in the day, a guy, not just in any old drag, but in a feather boa and white gloves. And it is nice to be able to smile and chuckle and say, good for you. Or perhaps even, as we said in the church of my childhood, 